Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I, I have a word today that is really going to, to help help you. And, and I am a firm believer that when God's word is applied, it makes a huge, like a a light and dark, night and day difference in our lives. Uh, this word is wonderfully spiritual and incredibly practical because I just know that there are people here today and you're, you're carrying or managing, trying to manage a very big life, a lot of opportunities, a lot of responsibilities, and it's not lost on me that the more responsibility and opportunity that's given us, the more stress we have to manage. You know, like they tell you to, like, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Truth. But there's, they don't fill in the blanks after that. And, and there can be some unique stresses that come with relationships. And God wants us to have relationships, but there's also some tension. Two becoming one is not the easiest thing in the world. Have you noticed? There's some resistance sometimes. Have kids, they said. Children are a blessing from the Lord, and it's true. Happy is the one whose quiver is full of them. They will be like arrows in the hand of a warrior. But they don't tell you the stressing that can come with the blessing. So the title of my message today, as we, we stand in the day of increase, and, and, and God wants to make your life big and increase and, and multiply everything in your hand, but he doesn't want you to, to lose your joy in the midst of it as you have to manage the tensions of a full life. So the title of my message this morning is When the Blessing Becomes the Stressing. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, remind you of a story I'm sure you all know, found in the book of Luke about two sisters. It's a tale as old as time, and I'm going to bring some principles from it, and we're going to get some freedom today. Because how many people would like to live with a little bit more peace and, and more joy and not wake up and breathe in worry and trouble, but instead feel God's presence carrying them through every day, no matter how much is on their plate. Can I get a big old amen? Amen, amen. All right, we're going to start reading from the book of Luke, chapter number 10, from verse 38. And I am so glad you're here. It says this, Now it happened, as they went, now this is Jesus and his disciples, that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha. Somebody say Martha. Martha. Okay, so she, she's, she's the, the, the main, she's the lead character. All right, get ready. Okay. A, a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. This is, this is a good move. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted. Somebody say distracted. So that whole word just infers there was, a, there was something that she should have been focused on, but she wasn't, okay? She was distracted with much serving. Serving isn't bad, but it has its proper context. And she approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? 
And right here, I, I actually have to say I really like Martha. This is a confident woman. She invited, Je she had the smarts to invite Jesus into her house. But right here now we see her kind of like breaking a bit of a boundary and ask, like, no, not asking the Lord, but, but telling the Lord what to do. She's now, she's now trying to control Jesus, okay? So she says, therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. So today I want to talk about what the better thing is. Because I believe in the busyness of our lives, none of us want to ruin atmospheres like Martha does here. I mean, can you imagine how, pain, how long and how painstakingly she had gone over the menu and all the different details? Like you've got Jesus in your house. This doesn't happen every day. And when you read the Bible, when you read through the New Testament, we see that actually, even though Jesus did eat with people, he maybe was invited to dinner parties less than a dozen times that we're, that we're aware of. So this was a significant event. And this woman, and I, I don't think that Martha was evil or wicked or a bad person. She was just very, very stressed trying to control the blessing and the increase that she had in her house. And what I love about Jesus is he doesn't, speak to the symptoms. He goes right to the root. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. And then he goes on to do something that we're told never to do, and that is to compare people. You see your sister there? She's chosen the better thing. While you're spiraling out of control, Martha, and doing something that I reckon at the end of the night you felt terrible about, you know, I really think she went to bed at night. Why? Why? I had it all planned, but then I couldn't control myself because I was judging everybody around me and judging how they serve and they're not serving how I think they should serve. And they're not using their time the way I think they should be using the, their time. And so this beautiful dinner party that she went to great lengths to prepare was now cut in two because she couldn't control herself. The stressing had overwhelmed the blessing. Has anyone ever been there? So God thinks we're so intelligent because when we read the Bible, it gives us clues, but it doesn't necessarily give us the entire look of the story. So Jesus says to Martha, he infers there's a better thing and your sister has chosen it. So today, I want to preach a message that tells us what, what, how do we choose the better thing? Because it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to live it. And I just know in our world is chaotic and crazy and with so many things going on and big lives and families and marriages and businesses and all the things and then the external pressures from a crazy world, we've got to learn to manage the pressure of the blessing that can lead to the stressing. So this is going to be a practical message today, but I believe it's prophetic in its origin because Jesus wants you to live with peace. All right, so I'm going to go through some points. You all ready? Everybody's quiet. It's okay. Don't worry, I'm talking to the person next to you, all right? It's all, it's all good. So we're going to start here. Resist the devil at his onset. How, how do we not let the blessing become a stressing and steal our peace and our joy? Well, we choose the better, better thing by resisting the devil at his 
onset. Now understand here, when Jesus was talking to Martha, he wasn't saying the better thing was the only thing. He's not saying, please sit at my feet and listen to my words all day. Nothing will get done. The better thing isn't the only thing, but it must be the first thing. Uh, Let me ask you, how would your life change if you gave the first of your day to the Lord? Not the leftover scraps at the end of the day. Because you know what I've realized? When we don't give him our first, it becomes very difficult then to give him our last. And if we don't give him our first, everything else we do from that point forward is a little disjointed and fractured. And you make these great grand plans, but then you end up ruining it by throwing a tantrum in front of all your dinner party guests. (laughs) Don't you want things to be better than they've been? So, So what would shift if you gave the first of your day to the Lord? And King David put it this way in the Psalms. In Psalm 5, verse 3, he says, My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. I will direct it to you and look up. So in your bedroom every morning, there is an invisible but very real scene playing out. There's an auctioneer with a gavel, and he is deciding who is going to get the bidding rights for your day. And worry, 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 fear, 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 offense, 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 judgment, 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 judgment. Or Jesus, 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 faith, 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 trust in God. I'll look up to you. We decide who wins the bidding war for our day. Let me tell you, my life got infinitely better when I didn't just give God my tithe as it relates to money, but the tithe by giving him the first of my day. I mean, it's, it sets you up in a way nothing else can because you read the Bible. I'm telling you, God doesn't sugarcoat anything for nobody. It's right there in living color. And, and I really feel that God will give you ahead of time the answer to whatever you're going to face in your day. And, and I'll be walking through my day and I'll be like, well, I read about this this morning. God, you gave me the answers in advance. Or, or I'll, I'll be careful about what I let into my heart in the morning. The Bible says this in John 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Can I ask you a question today? What are you letting into your heart in the morning? Pride, offense, judgment, worry, trouble, anxiety, fear? Or are you allowing the word of the Lord to come in that, that calms and resets your soul, choosing the better thing so you can go about your day. And you know, it doesn't mean you're going to be clean sailing and and easy trouble free on the contrary, but you won't lose your peace and joy in the midst of it because you've got yourself in order and you're living in the right way at the right time. I've noticed it. I've noticed a massive shift in my life. How many people are loving the Bible in a year? If you start every day with that and then you turn up to work and that same jack wagon that usually triggers you turns up and gets up to his usual antics, it's like, you know what? I, God already prepared me for this. Because this morning when the bidding war started, I chose to sit under the spout where the glory comes out and I've got a peace that the world can't take away. Because here's the thing, Martha wanted everybody else to change. She wanted Jesus to change the circumstances, change the world, Lord, so I feel better about me, okay? But Jesus didn't 
want to change the circumstances. The world, guys, the world isn't changing. Stress is here to stay. Potential worries and troubles and all the different things we face with the responsibilities we have are here to stay. But Jesus wants to change us. He wants to give us an internal peace and joy that will carry us through any hard time. So we've got to resist the devil at his onset. In 1 Peter chapter 5, starting at verse 8, it says, Be well balanced. And that might be enough of a word for somebody today. Maybe that's all you came for. You can get it tattooed on your arm. Be well balanced. Okay, Lord, yes, noted. Be well balanced, temperate, sober of mind. Be vigilant and cautious at all times. For that enemy of yours, the devil roams around like a lion roaring. Answer this question. When, when do lions hunt? At night and in the morning. They love those times. So does the devil in fierce hunger. Seeking someone to seize upon and devour. Withstand him. Be firm in the faith against his onset. My voice, O oh Lord, you will hear in the morning. When the bidding war starts for my day, I'm going to resist the devil at his onset. Not today, devil, and not tomorrow either. I'm giving my, the first of my day not to worry, to trouble, to drama, to offense, to judgment, but to you. Can somebody say amen, amen. Amen, Leanne. And you know what? You might ask yourself, well, well, I do all those things. Well, listen, I, I can give you a foolproof way to determine what you are letting into your heart by asking yourself the question, what is flowing out of my life? Because the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So a great indicator of what you've been letting into your heart would be seen by what is flowing out of your life. If you're constantly worried, if you're constantly overwhelmed with stress, if you're constantly fearful, anxious, judgmental, offended at everybody because they're not serving how you think they should serve, then you're letting stuff into your heart that you should not be letting in. And, and God never said he'd send an angel with a flaming sword to guard our hearts. He said, you guard it. I'm making it your responsibility. So in the morning when the auctioneer comes, bam, I make a decision at the onset of my day to give it to you, Lord. Somebody say amen. That will change your life if you apply it. The second thought is this. If you don't want the blessing to become the stressing and be overwhelmed and lose the joy of, of this life and this time and all that God has entrusted you with, then you've got to learn to not borrow trouble. The second thought, don't borrow trouble. When I was a little girl, my mom used to say to me, because I was always like, like preemptively borrowing trouble, and I'd like think of the worst case scenario, and I'd... And my mom used to say to me, oh, Leanne, Edith, you borrow trouble? And the truth is, what we don't address with God in our lives, we don't just grow out of because it was a childhood thing. We actually grow up into it until we have a divine encounter with God. Now, here's what Jesus said in his first message, Matthew chapter number six. Do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Now, look at this. A lot of Christians don't like this verse. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know trouble? It's coming for you. It's coming for you. But for the love of all that is holy, please do not reach for an advance payment. 
Jesus is saying, if you, if you take one day at a time and walk with me, just like I said in the book of John, in this life you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. Because when you walk with me, I've overcome the world. So there is no trouble that you're going to face in the day. And each day will present its own unique set of troubles, especially if you've got a business, you're married, you have even one friend, a child, a dog. And you're alive and breathing oxygen on God's earth. Each day will present its own unique set of troubles. And Jesus says, if you just take one day at a time, and walk with me, you are walking with an overcomer, you're going to make it through, and your peace and your joy is going to be intact at the end of it, and you won't have to dice up the dinner party atmosphere and offend everybody around you. Don't borrow trouble. Let me tell you a story that's going to make you feel better about yourself. When, oh oh gosh, it was maybe a decade ago, I went to the doctor because I had a lump on my neck and one of my friends noticed, you know, you have this lump on your, your neck. Every time you talk, it kind of pops out like a Frankenstein bolt. And so I went to the, I went to the doctor and, you know, she was, she was mildly concerned. And she said, listen, we're going to do some tests. We're going to do an MRI. We're going to check for lymphoma. We're going to check for cancer. We're going to just do all the tests. And, uh, you know, we'll schedule them. Like, she, she wasn't necessarily heightened, but she was doing the job that every doctor should do. So on the way home, good Lord, when you talk about borrowing trouble, I was exhausted because I was time traveling decades into the future. I remember driving home in the car after hearing those words, lymphoma, lymphoma, cancer, cancer. Now, remember, it was all conjecture, speculative at this point, just a theory. We had no concrete evidence. But in my head as I'm driving home, I'm seeing myself like diagnosed with a terminal illness and then like dead and then Jürgen remarried. And then I went from like sad to angry because I'm, I'm time traveling, borrowing trouble. At this point, I have nothing but a theory. But I've wound myself up so much. I finally get home. My husband was surfing. How dare he? And when he walks in the door, you know, just his regular, normal, happy as Larry self, he's like, hi, babe, how are you? I'm like, if you ever, <laughs> if I die and you get remarried, I'm going to come back from the dead and I'm going to shake chains in the bedroom. I will be cast by the very unfriendly ghost. He's like, what? What happened? And inevitably, nothing. I was fine. Do you know what? When we worry, when we borrow trouble, we use our imaginations to create something we don't even want. Think about that for a second. We wind ourselves up and then we torment everybody around us because we're, we're, in, we're in 2029. And they're like, I'm, I'm living today. That's why Jesus said, you know what? I need you to just take one day at a time with me. Don't worry about tomorrow. When trouble comes tomorrow, I will be with you there to meet it. Listen. I actually don't want to know what the future holds because I know the one who holds the future. And if I continue to walk with him, there's nothing that you or I will face that will take us out if we continue to walk with him. Do not worry about tomorrow. Some of us need to, you've heard of HRT, hormone replacement therapy. I want to challenge you to TRT, thought replacement therapy. Take every thought captive. Can you imagine how different it would have been for Martha had she gone, you know what, Martha, relax. It's fine. 
Everything's going to be fine. Jesus is here. He's happy having a conversation. But instead, she'd gone all the way down the road to everything not working out and then having to have conversations and all the things. And she lost the joy of the blessing of having Jesus in her house. We don't, we don't want to be like that. The third thought that I want to bring, managing the stress that comes with the blessing, the increase, the bigness of life is this. Learn to manage your personality. Now, you're not going to hear this preached everywhere, especially right now, especially in a lot of colleges across America, because we're all about, in, let's indulge you. This is who I am, but I'm just like this. And, and the irony in the story of Mary and Martha was that Martha wanted to control everybody in the room, and yet she couldn't control herself. Imagine that. She wanted the room to change to accommodate her personality. Well, that's not how I would do it. And I'm telling you, sometimes worry can masquerade as responsibility wow. Wow. and superiority. I did it my way. And, and we want everybody else to change for us, but Jesus wants to change the dysfunctional parts of of, look, we're, like God knows how he made you. He loves you. He doesn't want to in- change the intrins- intrinsic you. But each and every single one of us have to manage some of the dysfunctions that come with our personality type. Yeah. Like, we've got to do that. Yes. Martha wanted the whole world to, ach- to change to accommodate her. People shouldn't have to pay for our personality. Wow. And in a world that is all about who am I? Can we maybe ask the question, who do I want to become? There's an intrinsic Leanne, and she's great. But but there are some weaknesses that God wants to strengthen. So when I walk into a room, I'm not saying, hey, world, this is my world, you're just living in it. But instead saying, I'm a welcome part of this world, but I'm not the center of it. And I'm going to manage those certain aspects of my personality that can cause damage and make my world small. Martha, as much as she would have liked to just put herself in the A-type category and the only one who cared and the responsible one in a world of irresponsibility probably wouldn't have had a lot of close friends. She probably would have been pretty lonely because people have seen her and gone, hi, hi, yeah, we're working, we're doing stuff, yeah, wonderful to see you. Exit stage left, I'm going to find a sanguine who thinks life's a party, (laughs) right? I remember going to a conference in, in Australia and the pastor said from the stage, as pastors often do, I want you to turn to the person behind you and I want you to introduce, say hi. Of course, yes, that's what we do in church. We're friendly people. And so I turn around and behind me is a mother and her child. I stretch out my hand to the little girl who would have been about 10. Immediately, mother pulled her in close to her body and said, don't, she's an introvert. I'm like, in my head, I thought, I felt such pity for the little girl. And I thought, what a wicked mother. That, that she's now saying to her daughter, I am condemning and labeling you to a life of loneliness and teaching you that, that the world needs to pay for your personality. Introvert or not, everybody can say hello. Everybody can look people in the eye and shake their hand and say, hello, my name is... I, I have a child who has a unique set of, uh, let's call it slight social awkwardness. And he's quite happy to walk into a room and say hi to no one and just stand at the food table. 
He's not even thinking. And I would say to him, listen, I don't need you to walk into the room and be Shakespeare or Socrates, but I do need you to say hello, introduce yourself, look people in the eye and say it's nice to meet you. Everybody can do that, right? Everybody. So, so what personality weaknesses are you believing that everybody else should accommodate that God actually wants to shift in you? And it's not just the A-type people, and it's not just the introverts. I think that each and every single one of us, our biggest battle will be extreme selfishness. And how, how can I shift my life where my focus isn't just all about me? I had to learn that as a pastor. And it's not, it's, I don't believe in faking it till you make it. I'm not talking about faking it. I'm talking about being disciplined. The Bible says, and this is Paul speaking, I discipline my body and I bring it under control. I don't even let those very loud and noisy parts of my flesh and soul life determine how I'm going to live. I'm going to be a friendly person. I'm going to walk into a room. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to introduce myself to people. I'm going to talk even when sometimes I don't want to talk. You actually don't get to be an introvert in public. You don't. Doesn't mean you all of a sudden have to become chatty Cathy, but you're in public. <laughs> like, it, you, you can do it. Push yourself just a little bit in order to make your world larger and not smaller. So many lonely people in church, and I say this from a spirit of love, because so many lonely people, because you just haven't learned this one key, learn to manage your personality. What areas that are weak does God want to work on and strengthen? doesn't need to be your greatest strength, but it can be a little bit better. Someone say amen. 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 I liked it too. All right. The fourth thought. Recognize when something is a daddy job. So with the blessing, with the increase, with the big life, with everything that we're all carrying, we've got to understand there are some jobs we are empowered to do. And God has made you smart and savvy and given you a big, beautiful brain. But there are other things that are actually too big for you to carry. Is it a daddy job? Something that you aren't equipped to fix? Let me tell you a story. When I was a little girl, let's say maybe 12 or 13, I was walking out the door with my mum to go shopping, and we opened the door, and the door just fell off its hinges, just gone. No door. We were vulnerable to attack from the neighbours. And so... I'm like, oh my gosh, mom, you, you need to fix the door. Like, put the door back on, woman. And she just looked at me and she said, I'm not even going to try to fix that. I can't fix that. That's a daddy job. Call your father. <laughs> and then dad came with his tools and he's like, this was his best day ever. Here, I come to save the day. You know? but, but true in the natural, true in the spirit, what kind of things are you carrying that you're actually not equipped to carry? And God is saying, I need you to release this to me. Uh, one of the greatest lessons for me in this was walking through many years of addiction with, with one of my children. And there were so many elements of that that I could not fix. Oh, trust me, I tried. And in doing so, I hurt a lot of people around me through neglect and through worry and through trouble and through anxiety. And there are some things that we just can't fix and we've got to figure out what they are and then release them to God through prayer. 
I remember coming to God and I was in, in despair. And, and I tried, I'd turned myself inside out trying to fix something that was really unfixable. I'd turn up at every party in my black Volvo, like some kind of secret agent seeing who he was with. I'd taken his phone, I'd, you know, like banned him from this, banned him from that, forbidden these friends, and nothing was working. And I felt God say, like, I saw a picture of the Lord standing back with his arms crossed. You finished yet? You done? Because some of us, we're trying to do jobs that only daddy can fix, and daddy's like, you know what? Are you finished yet? You, you ready for me to come in and do what you cannot do on your own? And I want to ask you a question. Have you actually let God know that he's been made redundant? Have you let him know that you're in charge now? Because I don't think he knows. I think he's still on the throne thinking he's ruling and reigning. He hasn't been aware that you've let him go. So, so maybe instead we could put in the hands of our father what we cannot carry ourselves. Can you imagine what would have happened if the father of the prodigal son went and tried to fix it in his own strength? So he sees the money's run out. He's like, oh, dear, oh, my, going to go pick that boy up. He would have shortcut a breakthrough for his son by rescuing him from something that God wanted to teach him a lesson through and bring ultimate breakthrough to that child's life. He would have avoided the pig slop sitting there eating the food that the pigs ate. He would not have come to himself saying, here I sit and I perish with hunger back in my father's house. Can you imagine how much things will shift when you leave to God what you cannot carry yourself? The prodigal son's father wasn't meant to go get him. This was an opportunity for daddy, big daddy, to do what daddy does, and it shifted everything. True for that story, true for us. And I really believe that there are people here today and you are really tormenting yourself and people around you trying to fix something that you cannot fix. Is it a daddy job? During the COVID season, that crazy time in 2020, um, I remember vividly, like, I mean, right now where our church is kind of seen as heroic. Back then we were the supervillains. <laughs> right now when we talk about what we did, we get applause. Back then when we talk about what we did, we got booed and buzzed. Here's evil. Like, so God had spoken clearly to my husband. The doors of the church should never be shut. Open your church. I mean... Right? Thank you for the applause, but trust me, back then there, there was no, no applause. And, and news of our infamy didn't just travel in San Diego, and you all know we had the news reports and on the front page of every newspaper. And ironically, my husband managed to not be around every time the photographer was there. It was either me or John and Becky. They're like, could you please get a photo of the actual senior pastor? This was actually all his idea. And, but, but it didn't just stay in San Diego. It traveled over. So we'd have people from Australia going, what are you guys doing? Super spreaders, granny killers, plague rats, all the things. And, and I remember being so panicked, worried and troubled, because I couldn't fix this. And I realized, you know what? I'd made a little bit of an idol of my reputation. I was Leanne Gray, you know, the daughter of a 
relatively well-esteemed political family in Australia. We, we don't do scandal. We step away. The most controversial thing I'd ever done was marry Pastor Jürgen. <laughs> and, and that was enough. But now I couldn't control it. And there was my face. And there was my image. And there were all these stories, some true, some not true. I remember coming to God as I tried desperately to answer every DM and plead our case before haters and fools who never, never, ever care about the truth. They just like a good drama, a good scandal. They like to stir things up. And I was tormenting myself, and I was distracted from what I was actually focused and called to do. And I felt God say to me this, Leanne, I want you to give me your reputation as an offering. I want you to give it to me. Oh, but God... What will people say? Everything. They will say it all. And then they will also wax lyrical and uh, embellish and slander and lie and add their own twist on things. <laughs> but I want you to give it to me. You cannot fix it. And do you know what happened? It was out of my hands, so I had peace. This is a daddy job. This is, I can't fix this. Do you know what they're saying about you? You know what? Yeah, a little bit. But I don't care. I can't make it better. I cannot be my own PR manager. I'm, I'm How many women and men have ruined the atmosphere in their families and homes trying to manage their own PR? Oh, what will the neighbours say? Everything. They'll say everything. Every time I see one of those Christmas cards with all the kids matching, in matching outfits, and the dad just looks like he wants to die. Like, I hate my life. And mom, and the kids, you know that they have been threatened within an inch of their life. And like, all for what? For an image. That's why you're not gonna see one of those cards from me. You'll get snapshots from the year. That's, that's as good as it gets. What fresh hell did that mother have to put the family through in order to get that hot card to manage the PA? Look, we're all awesome. Everybody knows you're not. Just be real. Is it recognized? When is it a daddy job? Let it go. Give it to God. And it changed my life. You know when you go to the stores and they would ask you what your email address was? Like I would almost have a panic attack when I would have to say it and I'd had awakened church in it. I'm like, I'm bracing myself. <laughs> because we were those people. But the minute I released it to God, I felt a peace. I felt a peace that surpassed all understanding. Is it a daddy job? Are you carrying something that you are not equipped to carry? Amen, Leanne. And the music's already here, so we're going to keep on tracking. The fifth thought is this. Never forget that your heavenly Father knows what you need. We become almost like Christian atheists when we go through hard times, and we don't remember and acknowledge this very true fact your heavenly Father knows what you need. And these are the words of Jesus. This is not just anybody saying this. Jesus, in his first message, to people that had been so ground into the dust by religion and legalism, and they were surrounded by nations who served capricious gods who wanted their pound of flesh and, and were cruel to them. And Jesus introduces God our, as our heavenly Father. And then he goes on to say, if God cares about the birds, which he does, and as an animal lover, I appreciate, how much more does he care about you? And he asked this question to the people. Don't you think that you're more valuable than a bird? 
think about it. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. He doesn't just love you. He knows you. So here's a little exercise I'd like you to do. I want you to go home. I've had to do this many times when I've been in the midst of worries and troubles, where, where the world is, is weighing down on me so much that you, le- you lose your God consciousness. You, you, uh, you become a Christian atheist, like God is oblivious to what you're going through. It's a lie. I will go back and I will look for the signature of God. God is everywhere. He's been everywhere throughout your past and into your future. He's all over it. He's in every scene. Look for the times when God showed up and you weren't even looking for him. Look for the times when he answered prayers that you didn't even pray. When I was was 12, I was on a field trip to Sydney. It was a big deal back then. You guys go to DC. We went to Sydney, which is an hour and a half away. (laughs) Not the same. Um, And so we went to Sydney to check out the museum and Parliament House and all the sites. I was 12. I was so excited. But at 12, your life is so bound up in what people think of you. It's like, do you have the vibe? Do you have the fit? Are you running with the right posse? And you would rather die than be humiliated in front of your friends. And so I got so nauseous on the way home from the trip on the train. It was one of those archaic trains that are probably now this day condemned. But it had windows that wouldn't open all the way because they didn't want people to like jump out and kill themselves. It had one tiny, what we would call in Australia, lavatory, and that thing was occupied all the time. And so I felt so sick. I was so nauseous. I'm like, oh, I'm going to throw up in front of my friends. I'll, I'll never live this down. I will be known as Pukie Leanne from now until the end of time. And isn't it true? You think about the people in your school days, and they still are known by that one act they did once. Oh, look at him, little pee pants pee. You know, like... And it lives in infamy forever. I'm like, I can't be that person. But I'm feeling it and I'm trying to act cool and I'm nauseous and I'm red and I'm sweating. I'm like, I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up. All of a sudden, I hear this voice. Leanne Gray? Leanne Gray? Is that you? Is that you, Leanne Gray? And I turn my weakened head and I see one of our church mothers from church. You know, like big, ample bosom, hips to match. (laughs) Of, Of all the trains... Of all the days, of all the times, of all the women. And she saw my face peeking and she just pulled me aside and she took me to a private place and I threw up and then she cleaned it up and then she cleaned me up and then I sat snuggled into her ample bosom for the rest of the train ride home until she delivered me to my father. I didn't pray for that. I, didn't even, I wouldn't even know where to start. I didn't dream that up. It's the signature of God. And true for me, true for you. And, and you'll find that you'll go through life and all of a sudden you meet a person. I didn't even know I needed to meet this person, but my life's changed. And then a door opens and then an opportunity. Instead of looking at the worries and the troubles that come with a big life, look for the signature of God. It has changed everything. Honestly, so much of us just need a little tweak. It's not even like a big, oh, there are so many things wrong with you. Where do I even start? Usually it's just a tweak. It's how you approach your day. Oh, I'm going to see God today. I'm going to have some worries and some troubles that I have to overcome. And each day will have its own unique set of troubles because I live in the the wrong side of eternity. And life is full and big. And I went ahead and decided to got married. And then I went ahead and decided to have kids. Then I went ahead and decided to start a church. So the inference is, 
I'm going to have to have some stress that I manage. But I'm not looking at the worry and trouble. I'm looking for the signature of God. Because as I walk through, I know all that stuff. God is going to grace me every day to get through whatever life takes me. And at the end of it, I won't be dicing up the dinner party. I'll be a pleasant guest. I'll be a pleasant host. I'll be able to be a wife to my husband, a mother to my children, and a pastor to my church. Look for the signature of God. He is everywhere. Oh, but I feel so alone. You have never spent an alone moment in your life. He's always been there. It's just that you've been focusing on the wrong things. Instead of looking for God, you're looking for trouble. And if you look for trouble, you will find it. There's a proverb. I don't know the exact reference. It says, every day is a terrible day for a miserable person. But those who have a cheerful heart, those who have set their heart thermostat to cheerful, will have a continual feast. I keep bumping into God. I wasn't even looking for him, and there he is in the shape of a pear-shaped church mother who just so happened to be there when I needed her most. When you walk with God, you will run into so many coincidences. And so how many of you know that nothing ever just happens? Oh, it just so happened. Lies. It's the signature of God because he knows you. Your heavenly father knows what you need. I feel like singing. You guys don't even know who Keith Richards is over here, right? Oh, you're missing out. You do? So he sung a song, and I have a raspy voice, so it's going to be a bad move, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. He sings a song. He knows me better than I know myself. Better than I know myself. Time after time, he's shown it to be true. No one loves me like you. How are you facing your day? Don't lose your God consciousness. You're not an atheist. You're a believer. You know God loves you and you know He knows what you need. He doesn't just love you, He knows you. You are way more important than a bird. Even those beautiful exotic ones. The final thought, cast your cares in the right direction. Peter said it this way, casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries. How many? All. And all your concerns once and for all on him. For he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you carefully. Here's what I found. If we don't learn to cast our cares through prayer, this is what Peter is inferring here, onto the Lord, we will end up casting them on people who weren't equipped to carry them. And sadly, our children. And we wonder why. Why does worry trouble in families? Why does it pass down? Because we pass it down. So we teach our children. We teach the people around us. And I have to be very careful as a leader that I don't allow the stressing from the blessing teach you that it's okay to lose my ever-loving mind when I go through a trial. And, and I would say true for dads, true for moms. You're teaching, true for anybody. You, you've got a sphere of influence where you are showing people how to respond in difficult seasons. 
And if you don't learn to cast your cares on the Lord who cares for you and who's actually asking for your cares, nobody else is asking for them. Look, look, your husband may pretend, oh, please, dear, tell me more about that problem. But, but your, your spouse has an expiration date on how much of your cares and concerns they can carry. Your friends, oh shoot, here she comes. Exit stage left. Because Martha had become a waste receptacle of, of fear, everything that the devil wanted to toss in her, she gladly took it. And then she wanted to judge the rest of the world and then she's demanding that Jesus change the world. And he's like, I'm not changing the world, but I can change you. But will you do what you're saying? You know what your sister's doing right here? She's casting her cares on me. You should try it. It's the better thing. Because you'll run all your friends away. Your children will be burdened with something that they are not equipped to carry. Your husband will be fatigued. And like King Solomon said, he'll disappear to the rooftop <laughs> looking for a bit of peace and quiet. Nothing good happens on a rooftop, by the way. That's where Bathsheba was hanging out. So... Learn to cast your cares upon the Lord, for He cares for you. So we're talking about prayer. We have men's and women's prayer every week. I'm not sure if you've started going, then, then you should. But, but praying on your own time, so incredibly important. How do we lead a family and not pray? How, how do we stay married and not have a prayer life? How, how do you build the church, co-labor with the Lord in discipling the people He's entrusted if you don't pray? And if you don't have a prayer life, you know what? The Bible tells us Jesus gave us the ultimate prayer to pray. Pray the Lord's Prayer every day. If, if you don't have a rhythm in God of prayer already, just pray every day the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You pray that every day, your life will change. And the Bible tells us in the book of Philippians that when we pray, when we don't worry, but instead recycle the worries that try to trash our lives into prayers, that peace comes. Well, how long should I pray? Till peace comes till worry and fear has been displaced with fear. And then you can live a big life and not make a big mess. Can somebody say amen? Can somebody say a big old amen? Stand to your feet as we come to a close. Lift your hands. There's people here today and Jesus left you a check and you haven't cashed it. And I'm here to remind you to stop carrying that check around in your pocket and take it to heaven's deposit bank and check it and, and cash it. It's peace. It has in the amount column peace. And Jesus said in the book of John, my peace, I leave it with you. My peace, I give to you. How amazing. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm going to go up. I'm going to be sitting at the right hand of the Father. Up there, I don't need peace because I am peace. But I'm going to leave my peace with you because you're going to need it on planet Earth. There are going to be some worries and some troubles and some stresses because of the bigness of your life. And you're going to need some peace. Father, I thank you today for your sons and daughters who you love so much and you know them. 
today, God, that they would cash in what you left for them, the peace. I thank you for the peace of God that surpasses understanding to guard their hearts and minds. Father, you said we should not let our hearts be troubled and not let ourselves be afraid. And in order to do that, God, we need to release to you what we cannot carry and we need to receive the things that you've given us. We receive peace today. We cast our cares upon you and we receive peace in Jesus' mighty name. And Father, for all those who have been walking in the flesh, using worry and shrinking their lives, I pray that they would be spirit people today. They would walk in the spirit. They would trust in you. Father, that just like King David, you would hear their voice in the morning, that they would direct their gaze to you. In Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say amen. Amen. God bless you, everyone. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.